1: Hi, I'm Ron Barr, and this is today's edition of Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8-Side Network. Jack Harbaugh joins us on Sports Byline, former player and also coach who is the father of the first pair of brothers to serve as NFL head coaches and the first pair of head coaching brothers to face off in a Super Bowl John and Jim Harbaugh, of course. He played professionally for one season with the American Football League, New York Titans, and he has coached football at every level, high school, college, and pro ball. You know, Jack, I consider you to be a teacher when it comes to football. Am I correct in that observation?
2: Well, we had an old coach back at Bowling Green State University where my wife Jackie and I went to school, and he uh, the lesson that he taught us was that coaching and teaching were synonymous, that to be a good coach, you had to be a good teacher. You had to take these thoughts and ideas that you had in your head and transpose those into those with whom you were were working, whether it were your own children or some other uh, children that uh, were playing the game of football. You
1: know, I hear the word teaching, and it could mean a lot of different things. What was your philosophy about teaching football?
2: Well, first of all, uh, I think the fundamentals of the game is what it all kind of uh, – was about uh, blocking and, and tackling uh, those those types of fundamentals. It was a, a thought process that you had a system of offense, a system of defense that, that you wanted to, to put into place. Then, on a on a very systematic and a very very prepared way, you you go about transferring those ideas to those that that, that you work with. And there are many ways to do it. Uh, you pass out notebooks. That's one way. You can you can have teaching tapes and films of previous years and and previous days that that you go back and you review it can be walkthroughs where you take the players out on the field and put up an offense and a defense and then then walk through the, those fundamentals that that you want to that you want to, to teach and but it's a daily thing an hourly thing and uh, something that to me is the root of, of, of teaching whether it be football or music or science or history or whatever you uh, whatever you have the the chance to uh, work with young people with.
1: That's always part of the foundation, I think, uh, the teaching aspect of it. But nowadays it seems like maybe motivation has come into play a little bit. Well, what are the differences from the beginning when you started coaching football to today that is maybe a little bit different?
2: Well, I think you know, back, I think, 40, 50 years ago, the one thing, it was, and I was thinking about this as we were discussing the teaching aspect, but it just isn't. The game of football, its values and morals. Again, uh, I think that I bring this from my father. You know, there were there were three nevers in your life. Uh, you never lied, you never cheated, and you never stole. I mean, any time that you did one of those three things, I mean, uh, the discussion was over. You you couldn't be trusted, and and uh, you were in in, uh, in deep trouble. So we tried to impart that with our my wife Jackie and I with our with our children. Which each and every team that we worked with in the forty-five years that we were involved in, in the coaching profession, all the way from junior high school to the collegiate level, that was the uh, that was the foundation. You just never lied, never cheated, never steal, stole. And then the other thing is that uh, that you that you didn't do, you didn't you didn't make excuses, you didn't point f- fingers, you didn't alibi. Uh, that wasn't part of the the process because uh, no one's really interested in the excuses that you. That you bring. They're only interested in, in the work and, and uh, the way you achieve and, and, and how accountable and responsible you are.
1: Let me ask you about your playing career. You played for Bowling Green State University, and in your junior year, the Falcons finished that season 9-0. and They were named the small college division national champions. How good was that team, and why were they good?
2: One thing, we had a great coach. Uh, Doit Perry was his name, and the interesting thing is when Woody Hayes took the coaching job at Ohio State University, 1951, the first coach he hired was Doit Perry. Uh, Doit was a high school coach at Upper Arlington High School in Columbus, Ohio. And when Woody uh, came to Columbus and and took over the head coaching job at Ohio State, he was told by those in the city that Doit Perry was the very best high school coach. To make inroads with the high school coaches, he hired Doit. And when Doit left... Ohio State to take the coaching job at Bowling Green in 1955. The first coach he hired was Bo Uh Bo was his uh, his offensive line coach at, at Bowling Green for one year uh, before he left to go to the Northwestern University. So, when you mention Woody Hayes and Deut Perry and and Bo Schembeckler as, as it relates to Ohio football, I, I think you've you've said it you, you've you've said it all. So, uh, I had a great one. I'd, some other advice he gave me at Bowling Green, he, he taught a class, a football one-on-one class, and he first day of class he said, how many of you in here want to be football coaches at some level? Of course, every hand in the room went up, and he said, well, let me tell you the three things that you have to do in order to be a successful football coach. Number three, you've got to have a love and passion for what you're doing. Number two, you've got to work hard because I've been around most of you guys for a year now, and I know you're not smart enough to outsmart anyone, but uh, you can't outwork anyone that you, uh, that you coach against. And number one, and number one by a long stretch, is marry wisely <laughs> in this profession. And uh, I took that to heart. I uh, met Jackie at Bowling Green State University. We've been married 52 years as of November, and we moved 17 times in this profession. Uh, we coached at 14 different uh, places and on those moves. She got kids in school, kids out of school, bought houses, sold houses, did it all. And Without her, I couldn't have uh, been a part of that great uh, profession of coaching and, and teaching and, and doing uh, what we were able to do in, in maybe the lives of some other youngsters.
1: I was interested, Jack, in seeing that you played professionally for one season. That was 1961 in the old American Football League for the New York Titans. Now, I have a lot of friends that uh, did play in the AFL at that time. And back in New York, they used to tell me some great stories. Because, you know, the AFL was, while it had Lamar Hunt as a founding uh, father of that league, it still had some problems with some of its franchises. What was that year like for you? Well,
2: first of all, I, I, there's a mis- misconception, right? It wasn't the New York Jets, it was the Buffalo Bills. I was drafted in in 1961 by the Buffalo Bills. And the other misconception is it wasn't a year, it was three days. (laughs) I went went to Aurora, New York, right outside of Buffalo, and uh, uh, Buster Ramsey was the head coach. The owner is still the same owner. It's the same... uh,
1: Ralph uh, Wilson.
2: Ralph Wilson had the team back then. And uh, we practiced on a, on a polo field with no lines. I mean, and there had to be at least 120 guys. I mean, they had guys <laughs> from everywhere, buses in and buses out. And, and, uh, and I lasted uh, three days. And there was a guy named Albert Dubinion. And I know you, don't, you can't remember. He came from a little college, I think it's Defiance College in Ohio, and they called him Golden Wheels. And uh, I think he's in the Buffalo uh, Bills uh, Ring of Honor, but he could run faster than any man I have ever known in my life. And I happen to be a defensive corner, and it seemed like every day in practice, the guy I lined up over was Albert Dubinian. I go to sleep at night, and about 3 o'clock in the morning, I wake up, and Albert is running past me so fast. I have never seen a man (laughs) faster. And when I got my my final... uh, uh, cut that football, professional football, I should pursue another life's work. Uh, I credit Albert Dubinion with moving me on into coaching.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for correcting history and Wikipedia as well. Uh, we've got a couple minutes before we have to break here, but you coach football at every level, as I said, high school, college, and pro football. What's the commonality in uh, being successful and enjoying coaching at all those levels?
2: I think pretty much what Doit what, uh, mentioned, I mean, you had to have a love and passion for what you wanted to do, number one. Uh, coaching at junior high school at Canton, Ohio back in 1961 when I came back from my, my Buffalo Bill experience was was about as enjoyable as any time I ever had because we had these little seventh and eighth graders and they didn't know if the ball was stuffed or pumped. They didn't know how to put on the uniform. They didn't know if the big number was in the front or the big number was in the back. They didn't know. You know, anything about uh, putting in the the pads and putting on the helmet and all that, you started from just dressing them, you know, basically, then out on the field and you taught them uh, what what the offensive side of the ball was, what the defensive side of the ball was, and then you get into the fundamentals of blocking and and tackling and then all the discussions and the the talks that you have on and off the field come to find out the best coaching is done off the field. The best coaching is done one-on-one. Uh, away from really the practice field and, and the game field and, and getting to know those youngsters and I can still remember some of them and I can remember their names and can remember their faces back then and and then each time you progress you go into high school then you're a head high school coach then you go into the college level then you're a coordinator then you're a head coach and and it's it, it's the same it's the same basic thing is those things that we that we love and passion for the game, you know, you're not going to outsmart anybody, so you better out outwork them. You know, fundamentals, blocking and tackling, and overcome scheming sometimes, and all the different groupings that we have in football now. Those are all great things and steps up steps up as it relates to the game of football. But still, it's blocking and it's tackling and it's being in the right position, and and uh, so it's just, it's this a process and Enjoyed every second of it, and we did it as a family. And some of the uh, most of the things that that we try to teach, and as far as the game of football, we've uh, the same fundamentals and principles that we taught in raising our family.
1: Jack Harbaugh is with us on Sports Byline. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk a little bit about his sons, and we'll talk a little more football as we continue on America's Sports Talk Show. You're listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast. Jack Harbaugh has joined us here on Sports Byline USA. Jack, when you think about the universities where you've either been a head coach or you've been an assistant coach, I mean, you've been at big universities, as you said, Bo Schembechler at Michigan, at Stanford University as well, or maybe you, you know, when you were an assistant coach at Moorhead State University, uh, was the enjoyment of coaching any different, whether it was a big school or a small school for you?
2: No, it wasn't. As I mentioned, teaching at junior high school, we had as much fun as we did coaching in Rose Bowls at at the university. Of Michigan, uh, and, and each one of them were a little different thing. The thing I regret now is we moved around so much. We moved seventeen times, and we were at fourteen different places. You know, I, I kind of envy some of those coaches now that spent a large portion of their career at at one university. You know, where where they. I was kind of an ambitious guy, and I'd be at the Mid American, and a job chance that came to coaching the Big Ten. Wow, coaching the Big Ten. What a then you get to the big Dan I wanna be a, you want to be a coordinator. Then you wanna be a head coach and and, you, and that caused you to constantly move and, and move your move your family. I could have been happy coaching uh, high school football in Ohio. I, I could have been very happy being an assistant coach at Bowling Green State University, an assistant position coach at Bowling Green. I didn't have to be a coordinator. I didn't have to be a head coach as I look back
0: to enjoy the
2: game as much as I did. But but that, that ambition sometimes got in its way, and, and, uh, and it caused us to move around a lot, move our kids around a lot. I don't think it hurt them any, but I just look back and think we might have, could have done it a little differently.
1: Let me ask you about your two sons, because uh, Jim was a quarterback in college, and, of course, John was a defensive back in college as well. Do you see that they approach the game from a coaching standpoint uh, as head coaches now uh, from their various perspectives of how and what they played in college?
2: I don't know if it had so much to do, in John's case, that, of that. I think John is, is one of the people as I look back and all the great coaches that I work with. John really has a, has a broad uh, view of the, of the game of football. He has, a, has been a special teams coach and a very successful one for 10 years uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. He has a fantastic grasp on that. Uh, then he, uh, he worked on the defensive side of the ball for one year at Philadelphia, Around Jim Johnson, who I, I consider one of the great, great coaches, defensive coordinator there at the Philadelphia Eagles when John was there, one of the great uh, football coaches that that I've ever had a chance to, to visit with, and now uh, with the with the uh, Ravens, he, you know, he, he takes a, a, an active view on the offensive side of the ball. So I think he he has a, a real uh, full spectrum of. Of the game of football. Now, Jim's a little more focused. I think the 15 years that he spent as a quarterback, and then uh, the time he spent as a head coach, has been been on the pretty much on the, off side of the offensive side of the ball, and has hired some you know very very good defensive coaches, and, and has kind of left them to coach the defensive side of it. But the fact that he knows offense so well, and the perspective as a quarterback really has a very firm grasp of the defensive side of the ball as well but but i i i, I probably jim's probably a little bit more uh, focused on the offense where john has a little bit more of a of the big picture look at it
1: i might point out to people that during the course of the nfl season uh, that jack gets involved with both his sons and uh, they send him tapes for a few hours early each week uh, he will retire to the basement turn on his ipad uh, courtesy of his sons, and study the coach's tape of the 49ers and the Ravens' previous games. And I loved your quote. You said, for me, it's a great thrill when the phone rings. I look at it, and I see a San Francisco number or a Baltimore number, and I get excited. They might ask a question, and I'm able to express myself, and they don't get mad at me. It's just a great conversation. And I guess that must bring joy to you because you don't have to take sides. You can say whatever you want, and they can take out of it whatever they want.
2: Well, it's a, it's it's a perfect situation for me. When I got out of coaching, you know, in in 2002, you know, actively involved, where, uh, I wondered what it was going to do, how I was, would react to that. But because of both of them being in coaching, they have always allowed me to be around the game, could come to practice and sit in on the meetings and sit in on the film sessions, and and uh, they would ask ask my opinion and. Then I got in, and when they became head coaches, got in. They would send the tapes, the actual, uh, the DVDs, and I could stick them in. And now it's a little more uh, sophisticated with the iPads. But you know, they send me, put the, give me that information, and I grind at it just like I did back in the old days, and uh, wait for a call. And some weeks the call might come, and other weeks it might not come. But I want you to know I'm prepared
1: are those and, calls uh, are those calls jack any different whether the teams either of their teams win or lose
2: no it's not it's really not and, and I look at it and i and i'm I'm really honest with myself and the game has changed so much i mean it's such a complex game now that i think sometimes the average fan it, it 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 doesn't it's a game that doesn't look as if it's complicated but it really is uh and uh and uh it's changed so much that it's left me in the wake a little bit I'm it, it's really passed me by but to, to be still you know have an opportunity to, to look at the tape and then they might ask a question I, I really get excited about that you know being able to express myself and the one thing they'll do is, is very patiently you know listen and and every once in a while you get a call and you will say you know what we looked at that and we've changed it or we've tweaked it a little bit and uh, we want to thank you for your input and I want you to know my heart starts beating and I get a smile on my face. I get excited to know that I had a a little bit of a, a little bit of part of the whole thing.
1: You also said the thing I appreciate most is them for a couple of hours a week they just allow me the opportunity to go back to when I was actively involved in coaching. You know as well as I do that it's an even bigger business than ever before and I'm just wondering would you want to be a head coach either at college or in the pros today knowing what it's like today
2: well it's, I know it's different I know it's uh, it's it's it, it really is a, a very difficult very very difficult job and and as I say I think the game has has passed me by but if you could see Ron down in the basement when those those games I know those games are on the iPad I got about seven or eight pencils that are all sharpened down there I got couple notepads and uh and uh i got my the desk got all got the papers all spread out and turn that thing on i want you to know i just sit back and i look at like 50 some years of of coaching you know it's 50 some years of welcoming that opportunity of having a chance to look at tape one more time maybe to find something that that that'll be accepted and and uh, something that uh, will make a difference in a a game plan. And I think if you ask any coach, you know, a fan might think, wow, to be out there and there's 50,000 people screaming and coaches down on the sidelines and calling plays or calling defenses, that's got to be where the real thrill comes in. But it really isn't. It's those times in the office, you know, when you're with your staff and you're looking at tape and, Somebody comes up with an idea, and another guy questions that idea. Then you get into this discussion. You get into this conflict, if you will, and you work it out. And Finally, a decision is made, and you, you put in a, a player, you put in a defense, or you put in a technique, and that thing works on, on Sunday or it works on Saturday. And The thrill that you get as a coaching staff and, and, and being around the, the kids and for them to understand that you're working working hard to try to make them the best people they can be and be the best football players they can be. That's what coaching's all about. It really isn't the the, uh, the confetti and all the other things that come down in those magical moments.
1: I remember talking to a good friend, Archie uh, Manning, about uh, what it was like when he and his wife uh, had to endure the first game of Peyton and his brother, and he said it was difficult. It really, really was, and I know the brothers played each other you know, the first time in what they called the Harbaugh Bowl on Thanksgiving Day, two thousand eleven. What was it like for you and your wife?
2: Well, that first time in, on Thanksgiving, uh, it was at the Ravens Stadium, and and the Ravens were very kind to us. They they found a little office for us in the stadium, and they brought in a, a bottle of wine and uh, six pack of Coors <laughs> and uh, and a big uh, high D uh, HD uh, television set, and we watched the game in there by ourselves, and. My wife gets very animated at the games. I mean, she gets excited. And this game, I mean, it was just she just sat there and watched it, never talked, never said a word. You know, one play this way, play that way, no emotion whatsoever. But uh, that uh, that was a very surreal experience. And then the, the Super Bowl was far beyond that. We enjoyed ourselves so much up until game time. And then once the game, the ball was kicked off, it kind of really settled in that, you know, for every good play by the one team was a, a not-so-good play by the other team. And to show any kind of emotion where you were and those sitting around you would would kind of signal that you might prefer one over the other, and that's the last thing that you wanted to do. So you wanted to see two comatose individuals <laughs> watching a Super Bowl. That would have been a, the place to... To study Jack and Jackie Harbaugh because we were afraid to scratch our nose. We were, <laughs> afraid, <laughs> we're afraid to raise our hand for any reason at all, for fear that that would that uh, would show a preference for one team or or one son. So it was a very difficult experience. What
1: was your evaluation of that Super Bowl game to each of your your sons? Then afterwards,
2: you know, I never, I've never watched it. Uh, I've never yeah. I, I, I watched you know watched it in. I've never put it on tape. I, I've never looked at it. I really have no ambition. no, no desire to do it just because of the feeling that, that we had during the game, I have no, I can't tell you, I really couldn't tell you how the game went. I do remember the last play, you know, the the, the, the fourth down play in the end zone, I, I remember that very clearly, but the other parts of it really, really are a blur, and then when the game was over, you know, John had just won the Super Bowl, and we were so proud of him, because he had taken the long road, you know, he had taken the, the road where a graduate assistant, and an assistant coach, and a coordinator, and 10 years there with the Eagles and all that. And here he just won the greatest prize in all of football. And, uh, and again, the confetti was coming down. And, and you, felt this, you felt so good for him, but you didn't feel as good as you should have. And we really had a difficult time coming to grips with that. Then our son-in-law, Tom Crean, uh, coach at Indiana, who was with us, had talked with uh, Doc Rivers. They, they had texted back and forth after the game. And Doc said, "Tom, I can understand your in-laws and their feelings, because no parent, a parent can only be as happy as their unhappiest child." And so it kind of took the pressure off of us a little bit, and we understood, you know, that feeling that that we had, because we knew that there there was another son in another locker room that had just suffered that the disappointment of, of uh, coming up short in the Super Bowl. So that was a, was a life lesson for both of us.
1: I've got two minutes left, and I want to ask you about uh, the piece that was uh, on television nationally about your son's interest as military buffs uh, up at Gettysburg. It was a wonderful piece, and I'm mean, where, where does that come from?
2: I think it comes back all the way back into into school. I remember uh, Jim when he was in the fifth grade. He had a history a teacher that was really a history buff. Her name was Miss Hiller, and uh, and Jim loved up until then. Recess was probably the thing that he enjoyed most, but she got to him and she hit that button, and uh, and history became something that that he was totally excited about all the way, you know, through high school and then into college, and and then uh, has really really taken it to another level. Now, his very best friend and high school friend was a young man by the name of Jimmy Minick, who's now a colonel in the Marine Corps. He, he was in uh, Iraq a couple different times, and and he and uh, uh, Jim Minick get together and and talk about not just, you know, their experiences, but, you know, the strategies and the motivation and working with young people, and, and Jim has tried to carry some of those things over into the, the game of football. John, from the other side, in at, at, at Baltimore, he has been, I think, close to, to Washington and General Odenaro, and he's gotten to know some of those, uh, those generals and, and people, uh, the Wounded Warriors, uh, the, the different... Supporting those different groups as they are in Washington, he has he has become a real humanitarian and and uh, and uh, has taken a, more of a perspective from that side of it to these these young men and women that that come back and and uh, tries to reach out and do all he can as an individual and the Baltimore Ravens do as an organization. Uh,
1: in about twenty seconds, is there any one thing that uh, in your long career of coaching that kind of makes you smile about what you've done?
2: just my life, I I think the, the the one thing that makes me so proud is that you coach for 45 active years. I, I think it's 45, and I don't know how many games that would entail. I don't know how many wins. I don't know how many losses. I don't know all of those different things, but I do remember the players that I coached. And the other thing to see two sons that saw the good, they saw the bad, they saw the ugly, they saw nights the night you came home and you got your tail kicked, they saw excitement in, in, in winning games and, and those kinds of things, uh, they saw it all.
1: Jack Harbaugh with us, former player and coach, who is the father of the first pair of brothers to serve as NFL head coaches and the first pair of head coaching brothers to face off in the Super Bowl, John and Jim Harbaugh. You have been listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast
0: on the 8Side Network.